Good morning. So I have a question for you. What does the sun say? That was anemic. What does the sun say? What do the rivers say? You're really getting it. You can do better than that. What do the trees say? What do people say? You forgot your part. Your part is high and highly to be praised. Okay, do it again. Great. There you go. And if you are completely clueless as to what just happened, you weren't here on the 26th. Because we talked about how all of creation praises God, and that's how we can take delight in him. Which is kind of a segue to what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about the gift. And you might have an idea of what that is from the picture on the screen, but don't get ahead of me. Before we do anything, let's ask the Lord to help us set aside what uh, might be have you brought into the room and just so we can hear his word this morning. So would you just ask the Lord to do that and then I'll pray for us. Father, we always need your help and your spirit takes your word and applies it to our heart. And that's what we ask that you would do this morning. That as we focus on your word, we, we would receive from you. Help us set aside the things that we're carrying and uh, distractions. And just help us focus on you and what you are saying to us this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're just going to look at three verses. They're from Ephesians 5. Let me read it to you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let me, let me read it again. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So you know that Paul wrote to different churches. This is to the Ephesian church, and some think this was actually a general letter that went to more. And he has just talked about the kinds of choices that people have made. He's talked about sinful choices, and obviously he's not recommending that. Um, but he talks here about your walk. That's an interesting interesting picture we talk about someone's walk and their talk you know we get that little distinction so walk here isn't isn't just one or two choices it's a it's a kind of a a manner of life like it's how you live and he's encouraging us and exhorting us to think wisely in the important thing to, to get here is, even though he has just talked about sin, this isn't just don't sin. I mean, that's good advice, generally, right? Don't sin. But this isn't so much that your choices are always between doing something right and something wrong. He's saying live wisely. 
But there's that word, time. So when someone says to you, make the most of your time, is this what you picture? Like, if you're going to make the most of your time, you're being told you're not doing enough. You need to be doing more. And that's a uniquely kind of Western American kind of thinking because we pride ourselves on being busy. I, I encourage you to listen to people when you ask them this question, how are you? I, I do this myself, so I'm not pointing fingers at anyone but me, but oftentimes people will that answer that question I'm busy. And there's a sense in which when they say it, and I'm talking about myself too, there's a little bit of pride in that because I have so many things to do, I'm important. And you should feel sorry for me because I'm so important that people make unreasonable requests of me. And we read that into this verse. Like Paul is saying, make the most of your time. Like, you're not doing enough. You should be doing more. Um, you could have described me at one time in my life as sort of a planner junkie. Um, I've had a bunch of different ones in my life. When I was in college, somebody uh, showed me a little seven-star diary. It was this pocket thing, a little notebook, and you could take notes and you know put your dues in that. And then someone showed me day timers, and I had a wallet-sized day timer, and I had a notebook-sized day timer, and then I had the software on my computer, and then I switched because what I found is when I felt overwhelmed, I'd start searching the internet for new planners. Like that was going to solve all my problems. And so then I had a seven star, I had the seven habits one, you know, the, from Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And then I had a day runner and I threw them all out um, like a few years ago because they were all cluttering up my bookshelf. So when I talk about this, I'm telling you from my own experience of feeling this pressure of I'm not doing enough and I'm not managing my to-do lists well and being panicked about that. So, part of what we have to do as we think about this is remember our praise. What did we talk about last week? Or two weeks ago? We talked about how know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The context there is, we're not God. He is. We're not responsible for the whole world. He is. We shouldn't take upon ourselves more than he asks of us. Part of our wisdom is understanding who's in charge. And so this is where the gift comes in. Are you ready? You have 24. Not 10, not 50. 24. 
There are 24 hours in the day. You have to accept that. And some of those you need to sleep. Sleep is not a curse. It is a gift. David talks about lying down and sleeping because of his confidence in God. And so what I want you to understand here is when Paul tells us to make the most of the time, he is fully aware of the fact that as human beings, we are finite. We have limits. You can't do everything. You can't, despite the song and the sound of music, you can't climb every mountain. You can't read every book that's been written. You can't watch every movie that's ever been made. There are many, many things that you cannot do. But there are some things you can do. And so you have to remember that God knows our frame. He made us, and God doesn't expect more from you than you can possibly do. Why are you going to give yourself a larger to-do list than God asks of you? So we have to dispel this notion that making the most of our time means doing lots and lots and lots of things. That's not what this is about. There's something different that this is about. So what we have to do is look at this from a different perspective. Look at this parallel verse in Colossians. So you know that Paul wrote to different churches, and you'll find that he addressed some situations in that unique church, but he also talked about some things. So he, like, he talks about husbands and wives, and you see that in several of his letters. He talks about other kinds of things. Well, here in Colossians, he says, conduct yourselves with wisdom, parallel to what we just talked about, right? Toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. So the word opportunity here in Greek is the same word for time in Ephesians 5. So he says, making the most of your time. Here he says, make the most of your opportunity. And so what we need to realize is when God talks about time, he has given us all a blessing in terms of our limits, but he's given us possibilities. You have opportunities. Now, let me try to help you think about this. So, if you've heard me talk about raising children, I've told you, you don't have 18 years with your children. You have one year with your one-year-old. You have one year with your two-year-old. You can do the math where this is going. And in each of those stages, they have different needs. So, the time isn't just time, like you think, how am I going to you know, do this? It's different each of those stages, and you can't miss it because there's things you can do with your one-year-old that you can't do with your 18-year-old. Not if you want to have a relationship with them anymore. I mean, there's, there's things that, and they're developmental things that are significant. Reading to your children is huge. So, what are some other kinds of things that you know about life that are time-sensitive, meaning like there's a window of opportunity that you could miss? What do you think? 
Uh, each day, yeah. Each day represents an opportunity, for sure. What about conversations with people? Think about the kinds of different situations where you find yourself. See, each day presents us with a different set of opportunities. And so Paul says, here he's talking in, in, in Colossians, he mentions outsiders. So we have windows of opportunity in the conversations we have with people. I, I can think of several times in my life where I woke up the next day thinking about a conversation I'd had the day before and I knew I missed it. Like I had a chance to talk about something meaningful there and I didn't. So how do we how do we change our thinking into time and opportunity? Like, how can we see that correctly? It's, it's a challenge. When, when, we first, um, when I first moved here and we started Grace, early on in the church's history, when I was the only person on staff, somebody gave the church stock. And so I had, we didn't have any kind of way to receive that, so I had to go find a stock broker. So I went downtown and so we could make this transfer and so I had this conversation with someone I didn't know I can't even remember his name I just remember the conversation so we're sitting there talking and he tells me that he had been at this business conference and it was in this nice hotel and there was this guy in the lobby at a card table and he was starting a company and he was trying to raise money and for ten thousand dollars a lot of money for ten thousand dollars you could have the east coast and he's thinking to himself, because this guy's not particularly impressive, he's thinking to himself, why, why would I give you $10,000, right? Well, fast forward, because this is back like late 80s, early 90s. The guy's name was Bill Gates. So just imagine what that $10,000 investment would have been worth later. And he missed it. He was telling me that because he missed it. And the point is, there are things like that. That's just kind of a financial thing. But there are things like that that have so much potential that we can sometimes miss because we're not in the right frame of mind to think about them. So, how do we change our thinking? How can we be wise in the way we approach our days and our activities. Well, the first one is to rejoice. And the psalmist says, this is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Receive each day as a gift. It's a gift from God. You have opportunities to make choices in that day. This is a gift. God gives them to you. And think of today as just that, as a series of opportunities that you're going to have. Here's the second one. So when Isaiah is talking about what God is going to do, he says this, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious stone, a sure foundation. We know that's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone, right? Then look at this phrase, and this is from the King James. He that believeth shall not make haste. Part of our struggle is hurry. 
we get so busy that we are rushing from things thing from thing to thing that we can't think so we say things like haste makes and hurry will limit your creativity because hurry has in it a little bit of irritation that you've got so much to do a little bit of anger because you have so much to do now hurry is different than moving quickly there are times when you have to move quickly, like your toddler's running from the street. I would suggest you move quickly, right? There's time, so don't think of hurry and speed as equivalent. They're not. Hurry is this overfall attitude. Have you, ever, have you ever seen an article and you looked and saw how long it was and didn't read it? Why? Because we have this sense of, I don't have time. That creeps in. That is hurry. So it doesn't mean that you're constantly rushing. It's the sense of, I don't have time to do certain things. And if we go back to that passage in Isaiah, hurry can display a lack of faith. It's not trusting that God is expecting of me or giving me grace to do what I can do today. We're putting more burden on ourselves than God himself does. So, second step is to avoid hurry. If you're familiar with John Milton, he, um, he lived in the 1600s. He is known as a poet, so he wrote the long poem, Paradise Lost and Paradise Regained. But he also wrote political things in the day, and he, he wrote a lot of things, and he wrote poetry. He was born in 1608, he died in 1674, but he went blind in his 40s. And so this is from son, or his sonnet 19, which is about his blindness. And he, he's asking this question, does God exact day labor, light denied? Does he expect more of me or the same thing of me, given that I'm blind? I want to read you the last part of it. You can look it up. Just look up sonnet 19 by John Milton. He says, doth God exact day labor like denied, I fondly ask, but patience to prevent that murmur soon replies, God doth not need either man's work or his own gifts. Who best bear his mild yoke, they serve him best. His state is kingly. Thousands at his bidding speed and post or land and ocean without rest. They also serve who only stand and wait. Why are you putting a larger burden on yourself than God himself does? So part of our stopping to be able to live wisely is thinking reasonably about God's expectations of us so that we can make wise choices and we can see the opportunities and not be so rushed to do the things that are significant and important. So here's the issue. Making the most of our time doesn't mean doing more things. It means doing the better things. Making the most of your time is using it well, 
But notice I didn't say best. I didn't say best because have you ever tried the best product on Amazon? <laughs> you know, I mean, how many reviews can you read and, and then think, okay, I'm actually getting the very best thing I could possibly, like, you have to give that up at some point and just make a good choice, right? And so sometimes we let that word best interfere with making any decision at all. And so I think what we need to do is just recognize some things are more important, some things are better, and we want to give ourselves to those things, the things that make for good life for ourselves and for those around us. So that's the issue. So how can, how can we actually do that? Well, I think one of the things we got to do is think about what affects our choices. Like, why do you make the, the choices that you make? Have you ever thought about that? Like, why do I make the choices I make? What, what's involved in that? So on, the, on, the, on your left, um, you know, your desires can affect, like, okay, I desire this, I want this. I, I read an article that said that there's, there's these people that say half of your desires really aren't even your desires. You just want something because other people want it, and so you think I've got to have it too. And I've seen, I've heard of people getting something because other people had it, and they really didn't want it, but they just wanted it because other people wanted it. So sometimes that's even hard to know. Your friends or expectations of people, your habits, requests that people make of you, you don't know how to say no. Part of understanding our time is realizing that every time we say yes to something, we are by the implicit nature of being engaged in that, saying no to a bunch of other things. Everything you say yes to means you're saying no to other things, whether you realize it or not. So is, is it everything on the, your left, or is the leading of the Spirit involved? Is prayer involved? Is a sense of your calling? Like, this is what I'm about. This is what God has given me. This is how God has gifted me. This is, this is part of what he wants me to do in the world. We talk about God giving, having given us gifts, and we talk about God having works for us to do. What about your priorities? So I think part of the challenge of living wisely is thinking about why do we make the choices we do? Like, what are some of the things that, that affect your choices? You can, I'm sure you can think about that right now. So my third suggestion to you, first is rejoice in each day. See it as a gift from God. The second is get rid of hurry. Stop thinking that you have to do a bazillion things. And the third is figure out your strategy. Now, I'm not going to give you like, okay, here's the five-step plan, because I used to think if someone gave me a five-step plan, it would magically solve all my problems. You've got to figure out what works for you. But here's what I'm suggesting your plan should include. One is prayer. Like, ask God to help you see past the pressure from other people and the, in the, in the environment and the, the squeezing into the world. Ask for wisdom and guidance. The second is give yourself permission to stop. Just and think. It takes time to kind of reflect on some stuff. So figure out what that rhythm for you is. Maybe it's a weekly rhythm. Maybe it's a monthly rhythm. Maybe it's a daily. I don't know. You, you have to think about yourself. 
And then evaluate your kingdom. You have a kingdom. You have a realm over which you have say. So give me some examples of things that are in your kingdom. What do you have say over? What are the things that you have control over? What's in your kingdom? Family? Yeah, that's in your kingdom. Your home? That's in your kingdom, sure. You get to mow the lawn, you know, or not, as the case might be. What's else in your kingdom? Your thoughts. Yeah, Kathy and I were having this conversation yesterday. You know, your thoughts are the most significant realm of your kingdom because you have say over what you think about. Now, other people can try to influence it, but you don't have to receive it. Like, that's the thing you have the most control over. Some of our physical actions, we don't have as much control over because, you know, I would like to be able to throw a a major league baseball fast pitch, but I'm never going to do that. Like, there's things I can't do physically, but our mind, yeah, that's, that's part of your kingdom. So one of the things you can do is think through your kingdom. Like, what, what has God given you say over, and then how is that doing? How's your family? How's your work? How's your house? How's, how's your yard? How's, how's your relationship with your neighbors? How, like, just think of what God has given you charge over, because you're responsible for that. And your, your kingdom affects, you know, intersects with other people, interacts with it, because, you know, I, I have a home, but I, I have a wife. So that's her kingdom too. And just move things, and never mind, I won't go there. Um, so evaluate your kingdom. Think about your priorities. What are the things that are important to you? And then think about some goals and talk with, talk with people. Stay in dialogue. I'm I, I wanted to be really, really careful with this because I want you to realize the gift that God has given you. See, when he created us, he told us to rule and reign with him. All of these things are a gift that God gives you. He wants to see you make delightful choices and live in the glory of his, your relationship with him. He has given you the ability to make choices. He's giving you the option. Like, what do you want? What do you want to do? What do you want to pursue? Where do you want to go for? This is a gift. It's not a curse. It's a gift. And you can enter into that joyfully. But we can also think of it incorrectly and be squeezed into the world around us and follow the rat race and feel this pressure to be something that we were never meant to be or designed to be. So let me read this again for you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So here's your gift. What are you going to do with your 24? Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the gift that you give each of us. You give us the gift of time. And Lord, you don't expect more of us. You don't expect more of us than is possible. 
You are loving and kind. You know our limits. And so, Father, may we enter into the fullness of your calling and gifting. May we do the better things rather than the worthless things. And may we make the most of the gifting, the opportunities that you give us. Help us to slow down enough with you that we live well and gloriously in your kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.